adapt, improvise, overcome. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Marketer Connection brought to you by Vesta. I'm your host, Sue Freck, and as part of this podcast, our goal is to bring you positive stories from marketers and entrepreneurs making impactful connections. I cannot think of a better guest than Tom Deerline to bring his positivity to this audience than through his amazing story. After graduating from West Point and Army Ranger and Airborne Schools, Tom went on to lead a successful career in business. Twelve years after Tom left the military, he was called in for duty and was deployed to Iraq. Tom's story is amazing not just because he was deployed at age 38 after building a successful career, and not just because he actually had a choice when called in and he chose to serve, but because he overcame being shot by a sniper. And after nearly a year of recovery, not thinking he would ever walk again, Tom has taken those experiences and become one of the strongest leaders I know. Today, you'll hear why having your own personal leadership philosophy will guide you through challenging times. And Tom will also share why preserving and living by core values makes your job easier, especially when you need to stand in front of your organization and lead them through a crisis. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Happy Marketer Connection. So Tom, let's dive in. Welcome so much to my episode of the Happy Marketer Connection. Oh, it's great. It's it's, it's, uh, good to see you and and, uh, I'm excited to have a nice little chat. Yes. Awesome. So Tom, before we dive into grit, let's talk about your background. I'd love for you to share with the audience your story. Obviously, I find it so incredible and compelling. And every time I hear it, just as compelling. So if you don't mind sharing with us your military background and your stories from Baghdad. All right. Well, I'll, I'll jump in to, so I was, I was shot by a sniper in 2006 and, I, and I'm Catholic. So I was given last rites. It got pretty, it got pretty hairy there pretty quick. But I'll come to that part of the story. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a West Point graduate. When I was 13 years old, I decided I want to go to West Point. And, that, and even if I hadn't gotten in, I look at it now, like it would have changed my life because I went from being an AB student to an A student, from being a member of the student body to being in student government, from being a member of the community to volunteering and giving back to my community. So wanting to prepare myself as a good candidate actually made me uh, a better person prepared for that. Uh, I went off to West Point and uh, got arrested my freshman year, my plea year, I got arrested. So I had to go get a three-star general to even get to stay in. And I was put on suspended separation, a major punishment that had never been given to a freshman that stayed. And so that comes ties back into that grit that once I got this punishment um, from the general, uh, people thought, oh, he's going to quit. And, and I didn't. Uh, I did graduate. The next major goal was ranger school. I was an infantry officer, airborne, wanted to be a ranger. I failed at a ranger school. So I went back. I recycled, which is a failure. And then I finally completed it um, after a recycle. So, you know, there were two failures within ranger school itself. And, and again, that ties into to grit, and we can come back to that. Went to the Berlin Brigade, infantry, platoon leader, mortar platoon leader operations, and then I got out. I'd never wanted to make a career in the military, and I got into sales and sales management and then entrepreneurship, but I got out in 1993, 12 years later. So after a 12-year civilian career, I wasn't in the National Guard, I wasn't in the reserves, 
I was in something called the individual ready reserve, which is sort of you're sitting on your couch in case they call you. Well, guess what? <laughs> Surprise. In 2005, they, yeah, they called me. And I, I got redesignated and retrained for six months as a civil affairs officer. So I wasn't kicking down doors and chasing bad guys when I got there. I was doing civil things, right? Civilians. Civil affairs is a very small, not well-known group within special operations in the military that focuses on the non-combatants, the civilians. And you're trying to protect them, take care of them. And so we, I was doing things like reconstruction, you know, building hospitals, building schools, infrastructure, like sewage, water, electricity, trash systems, uh, economics. We were doing like small business loans and trying to re-kickstart their economy. And then a lot of governance. We were trying to coach and develop the newly elected Iraqi officials so that they could self-govern um, and each of those could make its own episode. Uh, and in September of 2006, I was on a mission. Somebody had been shooting at some of my contractors. Um, so I went out there to A, protect them, and, and B, gather intelligence. And when we got there, no one was really talking. And then, so as we folded in security, bam, I got shot, sniper. They evacuated me out of there. And within the, the what's called the golden hour, I was under the knife in the... Berlin Combat Action, Combat Ambulatory Surgical Hospital, cash. So, and then I spent eight months in the hospital. Uh, the first two weeks, my left leg did not move. So the bullet came in over my iliac crest, shattered my pelvis, shattered my sacrum, which is that triangle at the base of your spine. And for the first couple of weeks, they thought I might not walk again. And then it was like straight out of a movie, right? Like my toe starts to move. I'm like, doc, doc, get in here. <laughs> my toes are moving, my toes are moving. And slowly but surely, I got, let's call it 80, maybe maybe 90% of the use of my leg back over time. Um, so yeah, after about eight months in the hospital, I went back to my civilian life and I retired and even tilted more towards uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. That is an incredible story. And I think for all of our listeners, it's just shocking and surprising. And you never thought you would be going back into the front line and certainly not in a place of such high danger and getting shot. I mean, what, what, when, when you get called back in at that moment and you're saying civilian duty, are you like, okay, I can do this. I'll go back, I'll serve. What, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, was, it was tricky, right? Because when it first happened, I'm like, I'm not going anyway. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> wrong guy, right? I'm like, you got the wrong guy. They're like, nope. Because I thought, who, why would you call in a 38-year-old has been beer-bellied, you know, <laughs> guy with a bad back? And, but the reality is they did need me. And over the course of 48 hours, I guess I had a choice to either fight it or go with it. And I decided to go with it, right? I thought, hey, man, it's, it's my time. Here we are, 30 seconds into this podcast, and you say, West Pointer, Army Ranger. And those are two things... Like, I'll walk down the street and tell somebody I'm an army ranger. You know, like, <laughs> what's your name? Tom Deerline. I'm a West Point. Like, I get that out pretty quick. So you can't take two crucible events in your life or two things that you're very proud of. And I thought to myself, so what are you going to tell your kids and your grandkids? Like, that when your country called you, you refused? Like, you know, and it's like, I also call it the shaving principle, right? Mm -hmm. What's that? You gotta get up and in order to shave, you gotta look yourself in the mirror and like, how could you, when it was your turn, 
to serve your country, say no. Right. And that's what made my decision. I, if I had hired a lawyer, I would have won. And then yeah. some did hire lawyers. And I later found out right before and then right after I reported that a bunch of people did call lawyers. And it turned out that the callback was illegal. Um, wow. I became a volunteer. Wow. They made me sign a piece of paper saying, hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in for the run. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is. It's, it's, it goes back to values and, and, and your character. Person. And yeah, the shaving principle. You've got to look yourself in the Forget about what other people think, right? Like I had to look myself in the mirror and I knew that if I didn't go and do this when I was asked to do it, that I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Yeah, and proudly say you're West Point graduate, Army Reserve. <laughs> now, now Army look, Ranger, if somebody sorry, told me yeah, I was, yeah. was going to get shot, I might have called my lawyer. But <laughs> we, and we've talked about that too. Yeah. You know, when I tell people getting shot's the best thing that ever happened to me, they, they go, what? See, you know, but talk to a cancer survivor, mm. right? Like yeah. they have that same thing. Like, oh, cancer is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. They're like, what? Well, because I, you know, every day is a holiday. Every meal is a feast. You just, you have a better appreciation for life. Gratefulness. Yeah. For sure. And I think I'm a better version. I call it Tom 2.0. <laughs> ogre. Not that I was an ogre beforehand, but uh, this is, I'm leading a better life. For sure. And that grit, obviously grit to survive what you survived is the physical, that's the personal. Let's talk about grit when it comes to your work, you know, goals that you set out that so many failures. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, so many failures, little ones, big ones. Talk about the grit that happens in, in business. Yeah, I think that, you know, so like you, I, I, I stumbled upon, well, you looked for it, but, but I stumbled upon a, a video that a friend of mine told me to watch. And this is eight, 10 years ago now. And it was uh, Dr. Angela Duckworth in Grit. And she was doing a TED Talk. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, that's it. Like, until I saw her video and her description of her scientific work and her research, I, I had a hard time explaining to people why I was successful. Mm, yeah. Because... I'm just like, well, I get things done. But I never even used to see I never quit, right? But if you think about the military ingredients that into adapt, improvise, overcome, don't, don't quit. But it was interesting to see a, a scientist do research to figure out who's going to make it through these events. And she studied West Point cadets who, to try and figure out, is it the IQ? Is it their uh, athletic scores? Is it what aspect, right? And they've been trying to figure this out for years, right? Because you have a third attrition rate, you know, one out of three people quit. And then she looked at spelling bee champions, Navy SEALs, all these uber performers. And one of the things that she discovered, scientifically proven, that it's, it's not EQ. It's not EQ, the emotional quotient people have been talking about the last, it's not your education, right? It's not your race, your sex, it's grit. And she has figured out and scientifically proven that grit, resilience, perseverance in the face of setbacks, failures, challenges, once you've set an important goal, that is the number one determinant of success. You know, and as she's now published her research, here we are a decade later, she's written a book, does frequent talks. People say, well, can you be too great? Like, is there a certain point just being bullheaded and to you know call it a day and there's certainly i don't know where the line is but it it is there 
But for your average person, let's just, the cool thing about grit is a couple things. It's for everybody. Mm. I mentioned, it's not about your age. You could be seven or 70 and decide you're gonna be more gritty, right? It's not about your IQ. It's not about your parents. It's not about your DNA. And it's not about your education. I'm not gonna lie that people that, that go to an Ivy League school have a better chance of landing that great job and their network. And, and But the cool thing about grit is like, it's just a, a choice you make. But I don't think you can just wake up one Monday and say, I'm, I'm gonna be gritty. I think that the, the big element that she, she talks about is passion. Like you can't, can't just turn to your kid and say, I want you to practice lacrosse. I'm a, I live in Garden City, New York, a big lacrosse town. Like you can't just turn to your kid and say, you're gonna do lacrosse for 90 minutes every day. Well, that's not their goal. That's not their passion. And so that I think is the first key element that people need to understand. We're not talking about, I'm not gonna quit till I eat this cereal. You know, like <laughs> it's long-term important goals when we're really talking about grit. It's that never quit mentality and perseverance. But core to that ability, you have to have set that goal. It has to be something you're passionate about. I wanna be in the top 1% of all violinists within the next five years. Okay, maybe you should say 10 years, depending on how long. But that's your passion. You love music. You love the violin. I want to get to the MBA. All right, you've got to have a certain level of it, base level uh, talent. But, you know, you've got folks that are 6'1", 6'2", that are not particularly athletic that are in the MBA right now. So it's not even just about their height of ability, you know, and it's just deciding that I'm going to, or golf, right? My, my passion right now is golf. Like, are you willing to go to a range and hit 200 golf balls every day, three days, or, you know, three days a week or yeah. whatever it is to get, you know, everyone would like to be a low handicapper, but are you <laughs> the work? So it's not, you know, it's not just work, right? It could be athletic pursuits, um, spiritual pursuits. You know, I'm going to be at church every Sunday with my boys, right? That's a family goal and a spiritual goal. So it, 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 could, it could fit any aspect, but it does take that discipline. So the discipline, can it be taught? Can grit be taught then? I, I think it can, because again, just like leadership, and, and we may or may not talk about some leadership today, but you can try and be the best leader you want, but you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna yell at somebody, you're gonna be short with somebody, you're gonna interrupt a meeting when you tell people we don't allow people to interrupt meetings. There's a, you know, you, you tell people to be good listeners and you found yourself not listening. But you don't get up the next day and be like, I'm the worst leader ever. You just try to get better. So grit, I think, is that same journey. I don't think you can just wake up and be gritty. It's like a muscle or learn a new language. You first have to set the goal. Write SMART goal. S-M-A-R-T. Specific, measurable, aligned, realistic time. A very specific goal. And I would argue you need to write it down. And you could write some, you know, life goals, business goals, educational goals, relationship goals, and things that, but are, that are important to you, because that's the key. It has to be something that you want, not that somebody wants for you. And then that's when grit starts, because you have to change your brain to be focused on doing whatever it takes to accomplish that goal. Because 
you're going to fail on the way, or there's going to be challenges, there's going to be workarounds. But if you keep that goal in mind, that's what grit is. If you've set that important goal for you and you truly have a passion for it, the grit is easier, right? When I was a freshman in college, I, a uh, freshman in high school, I failed a, an algebra exam, 50%. And I think the 50% was a gift because I don't even remember answering half. <laughs> and I was so, so ashamed and embarrassed that I said, I'm going to get 100 on the Regents exam. And the Regents in New York State are a statewide standard exam, like where every freshman taking across the United States at 9 o'clock on June 14th all sit and they unseal it and everyone takes this exam. Standard statewide exam. But I spent months. I would spend an extra hour every night for three months. And then in the month leading up to the exam, I took all these old practice exams, the old exams from years past that were now published by Barron's, and I would take a test every night for two hours. I did get 100, right? That's not the moral of the story. Even if I had gotten a 95 or a 90, you know, I did get 100. But it was, I, ha- I set that goal. I'm, I was so ashamed and embarrassed. It wasn't my parents that said, Tom, how dare you, you know? when I was gonna fail out of West Point and people thought I would quit. Like, I was not gonna quit. Like, you can kick me out, right? (laughs) Ranger school, I wanted that desperately. I desperately, desperately wanted to be an airborne ranger. And when I failed the first time, I could have gone on to my unit. And in fact, I was expected to go back to my unit and not get to go. Um, And I had to pursue the assignment officer and make sure he gave me a second chance. Um, and then I failed Florida and I had to recycle there, you know, my MBA, no one said to me, you you have to have an MBA to be successful, especially in sales. In sales, they don't want you getting an MBA. They want you to be focused on selling more stuff, but it took me four years going part-time at night on weekends. I I did a a lot of Saturday classes. Uh, In fact, both my masters, I got part-time and they took longer than they even should, but I wasn't going to quit. So those are just examples in my life. Yeah. You know, listeners, as soon as you get done with this podcast, pick up a piece of paper and write down three goals. And then just real quick, one, two, three. And then come back and visit them and put them in this smart format. Specific, measurable, aligned, realistic time. And from there, that becomes your grit test. And if you fall short or you feel like quitting, pull out those goals and, and try and get yourself going. I'm not going to say you're never going to quit again. I literally almost threw my golf clubs out of my car. You know, <laughs> and that's something that I love. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I can't, I'm so mad right now, you know? And I'm not saying I don't quit. There, there's times where, yes. You know, I'm trying to teach my kids grit. Yeah, yeah. Playing soccer, right? Kids, and, right? And, yeah. and one of the, yeah. I'm like, you, you, you chase, you know, even he could stumble, he could miss the goal. Like, you don't, Quit. Like you go, you run as hard as you can until the, the ball's in the goal. And a couple weeks pass and I pulled up, you know. Yeah. My son called me out. He's like, Dad, you stopped running. The, the ball wasn't in the goal. <laughs> so you can teach grit, right? Like now that stinks for me because now whenever I'm playing soccer, <laughs> you know, I'm dying out there. <laughs> I give 100% because if I don't, they'll remember that I told them to give 100%, but that, that I didn't. So, I mean, I, I think that's grit. Your goal, 
It has to be your passion, not something somebody else is telling you to do. And then just stick with it. Stick with it. But it, it's like the gym. You're not going to go in the gym and, and bench press 200 pounds if you haven't been to a gym in a decade. You, you, <laughs> Certainly not me, but right. <laughs> and you work, then you work your way to 50, 75, yeah. 100. The greatest thing to me about grit isn't grit, knowing it. The cool thing about grit is anybody, anybody, anybody can just make a decision to adapt a gritty mentality. And then it's that. practice and development. It's not going to overnight. Yeah, I love that. And I think all the great leadership stories, all the great successful entrepreneurs, you look back now and you say, yeah, they had grit. Look at all those failures down to their last penny, living out of their car, musicians, you know, there are so many stories that it was the grit that got them through. And it seems like such a big part of your leadership, you know, your own team or teams that you lead or keynote speaking sessions that you do that you talk about that and that grit can be taught it's part of being successful and it's part of, of goal setting, having, having those goals. Community powered marketing delivers a new world of sales growth. Our Vesta platform elevates your brand presence, delivers predictive insights and transforms your consumers into lasting brand advocates. To learn more, find us at Vesta-go.com. Let's talk about your shifting into leadership. Let's talk about your leadership strategy your philosophy and core values because i know that you are a you have your own personal values you've written about them people can find you on linkedin you have i'm sure your company values let's talk about your your core values and 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 how that has led to your leadership style yeah i think that uh, you know and, and just before i jump in there you're right yeah. like i remember one time i did a keynote to a, a group of uh high school seniors and i went in and there it was the title was grit right <laughs> up there and i go I'm advising you to fail, 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 and fail again. Thank you very much. And I walked off the stage. And it was like, <laughs> you know, and the parents are like, that speech was the worst. You know, but, but like, it's the I'm successful because I failed so many times. Right. In terms of uh, leadership, let's start with values. Because yeah. I think that my approach to leadership, I would describe as a value-based leadership approach. My personal values are integrity, uh, hard work, which I got from my, my dad, uh, loyalty, the, the positive side of it, not the manipulative, why aren't you being loyal side of it, uh, and then respect for others. In terms of my leadership approach, I got involved with a company called Academy Leadership back in 2013, so like 2012 maybe, and we went to a course, and in that course, you read a book, and then you wrote your own one or two page personal leadership philosophy where you lay out for folks, what is my definition of leadership? What are my values? What do I expect of you? What do you expect of me? You know, how can we work best together? Uh, and so anyone that starts at my company, because it's a small company still, right? Every single one of them meets with me one-on-one -on -one and I review my personal leadership philosophy. We buy, I print two copies. We both read it together. We have a Amazing. discussion around it yeah. so that there's, they know what my values are. Expectation, and expectations yeah. Are, um, and they know what they can expect from me. You know, I'm not perfect and, and I'm, not, I'm not expecting them to be either. But value-based I think is really important. And I think that when you look at people that make leadership mistakes, and I've recently written about this during crisis, it's in crisis when people are most likely to, to 
violate their values. So in crisis, and especially crisis leadership, where you're not just leading yourself or your family, but, but others, you've got to go back to those values so that you don't make any mistakes that you'll later regret. You know, going back to kids, and I know we both have, have youngsters, and I'm sure plenty of folks listening uh, do as well. The first time one of my kids lied, I was devastated. And I started to think, you know, like, how do you learn to lie? And it's been so long that I, in my life, since I've lied, and I'm not saying you can wake up just like, great, you can't wake up one day and say, I'll never lie again, right? Because there's little white lies, like, yes, this dinner is delicious, or yes, that uh, shirt looks good, or no, that haircut isn't banged up. <laughs> but but I, don't, I don't lie. Like, I just, you know, and I, part of it's just lazy, because I'm just too lazy to remember the lie, right? Like, <laughs> right? But yeah, watching my kid lie to get out of trouble because he knew he was going to get uh, punished. And, and yeah, when I asked him, like, okay, you made up that story, why'd you lie? Well, I didn't want to be punished, you know? And I'm like, oh, man. So yeah, values are important. And I think values and character. And look, even, a, even if you're in a gang, like even if you're in a drug gang, right. <laughs> you know what they're expecting their leader from their leader? Integrity. Yeah. <laughs> they still expect, they don't care that they're killing and, and, and dealing drugs and dealing, you know, but... A leader is expected to be honest and straightforward to whatever code they've all agreed to. Um, so integrity, even in, it, it, I think is, I don't want to say completely universal, but yeah, I think integrity, hard work, loyalty, uh, and then of course, respect for others is getting a ton of attention now. Right, right, of course. To me, it's a core value. And I had to sit and talk to my sons. Like when I'm talking to my employees, I say, hey, Thundercat, we, we do this. We don't do this. At Thundercat, we, this is how we approach people. This is how we approach situations. And we don't do these things. And I did the same thing with my kids. Like, deer lines are not prejudiced. Deer lines treat other people with respect. Deer lines judge people by their character, not by the color of their skin. I certainly didn't expose them to the, the entire big picture of what's going on or trying to explain to them that because they're too young to, I think. Yeah, right, right, right. Of course, they're young children, yeah. But it is important and that they understand that you can't prejudge people. So, you know, respect for others, I think, is, is truly, truly critical. I do try and be empathetic, but that, that can be tricky. But you can at least have respect for somebody. But I love, so, you know, I lead a company today. I've spoken to lots of leaders with everything going on. The fact that your core values were written down, that your expectation for your team was set ahead of time, it's authentic. All you have to do when you have a conversation about the type of company you are and that you aren't uh, racist and prejudiced is that you go to those core values and it's authentic. There are many, many companies, and I'm sure people listening today that are scrambling to say, what do I say to my team or write to my team? Because we've never talked about this. So no, maybe you haven't talked about those specific topics that are happening in the world today with your team, but I love that you can go right back to your core values. And it's who you are as a person and who this company is that you represent. And so I loved that and, and got that lesson certainly from you. And after listening and reading something on your LinkedIn, I went down and wrote my, my personal core values. And we always had a family set of core values, the Freck family core values. And a little different, not entirely, one or two things. But I went and did that. And I think that that is, it's like a guiding light. You know, it's what I knew to be and, true. It's also called a leadership compass. Yeah. I, I mean, when do you need a compass in a storm or when do you need a compass? Crisis, storm. It's called a personal leadership philosophy or a leadership compass. Uh, and for your listeners, yeah, if you go on my LinkedIn, I have an article on how to write one. 
and then I give you my example. And you can always email me and I'll send you other samples. But when you first, when people first hear, hear about a, a personal leader, they're like, wait, I, I got to write it down. I got to go talk to my folks. But once you do, it is so powerful. Even if you wrote it and didn't share it, the process of writing it and reflecting on who you are, how you want to lead, what are your values, what are your expectations, and, and what are your pet peeves? Believe it or not, people that work for you do want to know, how do I not piss you off? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, when you're late for a meeting, I lose my mind. All right, write that down. Don't be late for a meeting with Tom. You know? So yeah, a written personal leadership philosophy. I've probably helped at this point over 100 people develop, write, and share their personal leadership philosophy. I've had people in interview, people are like, well, how do you lead? And they'd say, that's funny. You went and they'd hand them their leadership philosophy. And then this is how I lead. And people get blown away to your point, because it's that transparency and authenticity. I couldn't take your leadership philosophy and give it to my folks. You couldn't take my leadership because it, it wouldn't be in your voice. Um, so there's a template, but I had one person write it, their personal leadership philosophy as a nine line sonnet. So creative. I had another guy said I couldn't write it, so he did it as a series of images and diagrams. Love it, yeah. But he, for his, he was going to have to sit and talk to them one-on-one -on -one and explain the diagram. But I thought that was super cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, and I use mine every day. In terms of current events, I did share with my company my views. Um, I didn't think I needed to or people wanted to hear from me, but a couple of people were whispering in some other people's ears. So my leaders came to me and said, are you going to say something? I said, well, I wasn't planning on it. And in part, it's because I don't think my opinion is any more valuable than anybody else's. But it turned out that as a leader, they did want to hear from me. In terms of uh, Thundercat, right? If you walk in our office, right? When you walk in our lobby, it says the purpose of Thundercat technology is to make the United States a better and safer place for all Americans. And that's how I started my email to my team. I said, the purpose of Thundercat technology is to make the United States a better and safer place for all Americans, not white Americans, not black Americans, not Asian Americans, not Hispanic Americans, and then it all bold, all Americans. And again. Too, from, our, from my leadership philosophy, I talked about yeah. my personal views of what respect for others looks like. And then I pulled a, a couple lines from our code of conduct but then I closed it with like, if you work here, we, we are, we, that's, we don't judge people this way. That's, you're here, you, do, you behave this way and you don't behave this way. And I think it was well received. I think there were quite a few people that did want to hear from me because I was a leader and I don't see myself that way. I didn't realize that my opinion was, was wanted. Right. Well, you always talk about um, how you serve your team. So, of course, you're saying, well, what, what, you know, you tell me what you need. But again, it's so important. You went straight to your mission, your core values, your company goals, and it makes it a much more authentic conversation. And I do encourage all the listeners to put down those, those personal core values and your leadership core values. So before we run out of time, I do want to talk about the TV Foundation, because I think, you know, this podcast, again, is about um, putting some positivity into the world, and you are one of the most positive and optimistic. I'll, I'll go head to head with you on that. And really, the work that you've done for the TD Foundation. Can you share with the listeners what the TD Foundation is? So, the TD Foundation is a 100% volunteer organization, and we provide aid to the children of wounded warriors and Gold Star families. Gold Star means lost a parent in combat. 
Um, we help veterans' families that are in crisis. That's what we do. And we partner with another, a large group of other um, smaller grassroots organizations. But we're not like, oh, we focus on education or we focus on this or that. Like, if you need something, if there's a child that is suffering, a child of a wounded warrior that is suffering or the child of a gold star family that is suffering, we will come in and fill that gap. Um, and a lot of times we get a call, it's, it's a lot of mortgages, it's a lot of utilities, car repairs, medical costs that aren't being picked up for one reason or another. We, we'll pay for um, retreat trips for, pam for families to heal at these, you know, res not resorts, retreats. Um, so we have a lot of different partnerships and a lot of different partners uh, that make that happen. But we raise, I don't know, any, anywhere between one hundred dollars to $200,000 a year, and we help anywhere between you know, 60 to 80 or 90 families each year, an average of, you know, two or $3,000. Again, a lot of mortgages, a lot of medical costs. Uh, we've actually had to pay for a couple of funerals this year. You know, just these stories, it's, you know, they're really, really struggling. So I appreciate you, you giving me the opportunity to talk about it. It's, it's a powerful organization, really making a difference one family at a time. And you can find us at tdfoundation.org. TD as in touchdown, TD foundation.org. And you're so humble. You say touchdown, not even Tom Deerline. That's just, that's part of your nature too. I love it. Because <laughs> they came up with the name. You know, I, I always say like when I'm introducing at the Tom Deerline Foundation, I'm like, I didn't come up with the name. I'm not, <laughs> but then I'm like, but it's been 15 years and I haven't changed the name, you know? So, <laughs> you know, so I always have to swallow that pill. But yeah, tdfoundation.org. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. And the, and the work that you're doing. And it's a 100% volunteer. So people... Yeah. 100% of what you donate goes directly to these families. No marketing, any of those fees. I myself personally donate uh, each year to cover any of those administrative expenses. And if we do events, we have sponsors to offset the cost. So for an individual, you know, you can go, we're on Amazon Smile. So there's... Nice. Look, make us your, 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 the Tom DeLine Foundation on Amazon. And every time you go to smile that Amazon, yeah, maybe five cents, 10 cents, a buck. But I had one user generate $57 for us in the last six months. That's just one user. I, I alone could probably fund <laughs> a year's uh, worth. We won't talk about Amazon. Uh, me, me knowing right, that. I should have gotten that message personally. out before the quarantine. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's an incredible organization. Hopefully, people will look for it. Um, Tom, I'm going to wrap up here. What final thoughts? We've got listeners that range from brand marketers to entrepreneurs. I have students. I, I mentor a lot of students um, that are graduating school or seniors in school. What's one final thought that you have for them? Yeah, I think it goes back to my military training. You know, uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot of different guests, so I'll play the military veteran role. Adapt, improvise, overcome. That's a military expression you hear in the Air Force, the Marines, the Navy, the Army. And it, it just means focus on the mission. And if it's a marketing mission, an advertising campaign, whatever your goal is, but like adapt, improvise, overcome. Do whatever you have to, to be successful and complete that mission. Adapt, improvise, overcome. Amazing. So many good lessons here. I love, you know, action takeaways. I, I challenge each and every one of you to turn your goals into SMART goals, put together your leadership uh, values, and, and really take some of the lessons and put them into action today. Tom, thank you so much. I always love talking to you. This was great. Um, I know you'll be a guest again. We will certainly, certainly stay in touch, but you will absolutely be a guest again. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, super fun. Thank you for having me, Sue.
Thank you so much, Tom, for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate you also sharing your leadership philosophy, and I'm sure you've given our audience members some homework. Thank you for your service to this country and, of course, for fighting for our freedom. To find Tom Deerline, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter at Tom Deerline. And remember to add the TD Foundation to your Amazon Smiles account if you're not already using your purchases for charitable contributions. To learn more about Vesta and community building, you can find us at vesta-go.com. I'm Sue Freck, and thank you for listening.